What's going on, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy, and I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love, and let's just jump straight into it. Well, I hope you're all having a fantastic week. Wherever you're listening to this, I hope you're safe, you're well, and everything in life is great. And uh, as you've probably, again, read from the title of this podcast, today we're going to be talking about all the frustrations that you have around fat loss and the fat loss journey itself. And I'm going to hopefully add in my two cents on how you can rid those frustrations and how you can finally move forward and find success on your fat loss journey. And um, this particular podcast actually comes from a question box I put up um, a couple of weeks ago now, and I just was just generally curious about what people found most frustrating around uh, fat loss itself, and it was probably the biggest response I've ever had to a question box um, before, and I got, I don't know, probably close to 60 or 70 responses on that, and once I then collated all of that uh, data, um, there was, or answers I should say, there was definitely a common theme of what most people were finding um, frustrating about the fat loss process. Um, and so I said, look, instead of just answering um, the same question over and over and over again, you know, 60 or 70 times in a question box, I thought, look, let's do a podcast. Let's go in a little bit more detail about uh, these frustrations and where they might be coming from. And then, of course, give you the solution, give you something that um, I've helped uh, many of my clients over the years uh, because they, just like you, uh, have the exact same frustrations uh, as they're moving through their journey. And so if I've been able to help them, then hopefully this podcast can cement that all together and hopefully give you um, just something that's going to help you move forward and give you the confidence that you can overcome those frustrations. And if you want to know, uh, obviously, anything with regards to, um, I guess, the frustrations I went through um, a podcast last week, and I think you should definitely go and have a look at that. In it talks about what's what you should expect when it comes to um, fat loss, and I think that's a great lead into this podcast because in that one I talked about you know what you should find normal and what's going to be um, something that you should expect coming over your journey. And this one here is look, a lot of those things are normal, but you still find them frustrating. And so I want to give you that nugget that can help you move forward uh, and actually see some progress from that. So. Um, you might have just heard a little ding go off in the background. I've got my new computer here and it's set up to bring through my messages to the computer and I apologize if that ding goes off a couple of times. And so uh, it's just my text message. I don't get a whole lot of text messages. So hopefully we don't get too many today. Just a little caveat. But let's just jump straight into it. And by far the number one thing that came back over and over and over again with responses like my urge to snack, Discipline not to snack at evening time, controlling my food intake and snacking in moderation, evening snacking, 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 and the urge to snack becomes too strong and I can't resist it. It was by far the number one um, response with two or three others that were very close behind, but this one was definitely by far the biggest one. And so let's just go into snacking uh, and what you can look to do to help that get way or find your way around it and um, you know move beyond this idea that um, you know having snacking slow you down and I've just launched another five in ten program as you're listening to this you know and I release it I've just launched another five in ten program I just finished up week one and in that I've certainly seen that snacking is one of the biggest downfalls for most people 
because of one one big factor is that most people don't even realize they're doing it. Now, that snacking might be coming from pulling food off your kid's plate late at night, just kind of perusing the cupboard or opening the fridge mindlessly, whatever it might be. It's these little things. And I had an idea to do a TikTok video ages ago, and I, I don't really use TikTok. I, I consume TikTok and I watch it, but I don't really um, put anything on there. Um, but when I was posting to it quite some time ago, I had this idea to do a video where it would have the Mario Brothers music playing in the playing in the background, and I'd be running along, and I'd grab little things off, um, you know, my kids' plate, or grab something out of the fridge, or grab a little thing out of the cupboard, and it would have a little number go above my head, just like when Mario, you know, headbutts something, and a little coin goes bing, 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 and it would be basically illustrating just. We, we think that we're not having that many calories when we have that little bite of toast from our kids' plate or just that one cracker from um, the cupboard or reaching in and grabbing a piece of chocolate from the fridge or whatever, whatever it might be, those little snacks. We, we just give ourselves permission that they're, they're not that much. Well, how can this hurt? But they add up. And by far, the number one thing that slows people down from making progress on their fat loss journey is these little snacks. And when you add them up over a day, yes, it might only be 25 calories there, 50 calories here, 30 calories there, all these little, little things. But over the course of a day, it can be a couple of hundred calories. And for most people, when they're in the calorie deficit, they're probably quite borderline with actually being in a deficit. And so if you're having those couple of extra hundred calories every single day, it adds up and it puts you into a maintenance and this is where you just don't see any progress or you're actually eating a surplus and you're seeing your scale go up. But we don't equate those calories in our mind because we track the big meals. We track the breakfast, we track the lunch, we track the uh, dinner, but we don't end up tracking all those little things. And you look at your data and go, but I'm sticking to the process. Look, here's my calorie number I should be hitting and I'm doing this. And then when I dig a little deeper when I'm talking to a client, I'm like, what about all the snacking? Oh, it was just a little thing there. I didn't bother tracking it. Okay, well, what little thing? And then we talk a little bit further. And before long, we're kind of really opening up and going, oh, well, there was this bite off my kid's plate and there was this thing that I reached for in the carbon knife. I'm completely honest. I actually had a bag of M&Ms or I had some ice cream or, you know, these other things start coming out. And so the number one thing, and this was obviously evident by the response that I got, is snacking is the biggest downfall for most people when they're on a fat loss journey. So what do you do about it? Great question, and I hope I can answer it for you here. And so my number one thing for most people is you've got two options. Either you promise yourself that you're gonna track everything. No matter what you put in your mouth, you will track it. So then you become accountable to it. You can see it in plain data on your you know, your app, or if you're doing it in an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is, it's there, you can see it, and you're accountable to it. But mostly, you can be honest about it. If you're not going to be honest with yourself and not going to be honest with what you're actually doing, then when it comes to actually looking at your results and how you're moving forward, you're not being honest with actually what's going in. And so you're not going to be honest with your, um, yourself with regards to the results you're getting. You're going to give some excuse like, oh, well, it's just, it's just me. I can't lose weight or you know, something along those kind of lines, which I've heard hundreds of times before. People tell me, Adam, it's just me. It's my body. I just, I just can't lose weight. Everyone can lose weight. 
It's just you're not being honest with yourself and you're not being honest with what's actually going into your mouth. And so therefore, you're not seeing the results. And so number one is a number one option is track everything. And I don't care if it's the lick of a lollipop, the little swirl of um, oil on your cooking, or if it's that little bite from your kid's plate, or the two M&Ms or the entire packet of M&Ms that you had at 11 o'clock when everyone else has gone to bed and you didn't think anyone was um, would notice. Whether you think other people notice or not, your body does. Your body knows everything that it puts you into there. And if you're not seeing weight uh, loss happening at the moment and weight loss is your goal, then you're eating too many calories, whether you're tracking them or not. And so track everything. The other one is, I kind of come from the, um, I guess the, the side or the viewpoint of like an alcoholic in that with an alcoholic, you can't just, well, I'll just be a medium alcoholic in that you're either drinking or you're not. If you're an alcoholic, you have to go sober. You can't just, "Mm, I can just deal with a drink or two on the weekend. No, if you're a recovering alcoholic, it's complete sobriety. But we have to eat. It's not like, well, I'll just go on a complete sobriety of food. No, you have to eat. So what I suggest is having a very strict rule around what you're consuming. And why I brought up the 5 in 10 program before is because I've told a lot of people who come to me saying, Adam, just the idea of tracking food just doesn't interest me. It seems too pedantic. It seems too time consuming. And why? while I completely disagree with them, I understand that some people don't want to do food tracking and don't want to do calorie tracking. So how can I help that person? So what I say is give yourself a rule, either two meals or three meals a day with zero snacking. It's very difficult for someone to overeat if they're only having two meals a day. Now, of course, you can have a massive serving for that breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or that lunch and dinner, or however many meals that you're having. Yes, but it's rare that people do. Where they're falling down is in their snacking. And so you have a hard and fast rule. I have my lunch, I have my dinner, if you're including breakfast, then you have your breakfast. There is nothing in between. Complete sobriety. There's no, mm, maybe just a, nope, not just a little bit, not just a lick from your kid's plate. No, not just that end corner. Nothing, nada. And I want you to get real good at planning so you know exactly what you're having for lunch, you know exactly what you're having for dinner, and there is nothing in between. This is by far, for me, what I have seen help people out the most is just getting really hardcore about their rules around themselves and the commitment that they're making to this process in that it's my two meals and nothing else. That's really helped a lot of my clients just get you know locked in and get rid of that snacking because if it's not an option, be it, you know we get rid of that gray area, it's black and white. Did you snack? Yes, you failed. Did you not snack? Perfect, you are making progress, okay? So I get really, really kind of black and white on this one. And for some people, as I said, it works. People love it when they're getting really black and white. Some people don't like that black and white. They like the gray area. I'm saying, yep, if you like that gray area, then you have to track every single thing that goes in your mouth, and I want you to become accountable to everything you put in your mouth. And so, again, I asked this question, what was their frust- What were people's frustrations around fat loss? Snacking was by far the biggest one on there. And so they would be my two, um, I guess, recommendations moving forward and how you can help with that snacking. Either you track 
everything and become accountable to it. And when you start seeing it there and you start seeing where all those snacks are coming from, what you track and measure, you can then make progress with because you can make adjustments to. If you're not you know, actually bringing your attention to it, then you have no idea what you're doing. And so either track everything or the flip side, get real black and white about either just having two meals or three meals a day and do not um, snack whatsoever. Okay, so that's be my, um, my biggest one. The second kind of most, I guess, popular response was around consistency and patience. You know, people talking about, I just don't have the patience. It takes too long. I, I just find that, you know, two weeks in, two months in, whatever it might be, I just find it uh, difficult to stay the distance. Or consistency um, is the difficulty in that, you know, I'm, I'm either all or in. Um, I'm either really going really well and I'm consistent and perfect with everything um, that I'm doing or I'm, I'm all out. I like I have one little slip up and I find it, you know, really difficult to get back on track um, and keep moving forward. And so those those two um, bits were kind of the, the, the next most popular uh, response in that. And the only thing I can really say to kind of, you know, really hit the nail on the head for this one is consistency over perfection. You need to lose this mindset that you need to be perfect. Now, I know that's ironic when I've just talked about and goes completely on the flip side of what I just talked about with regards to snacking. But when it comes to the overall picture of what you're doing, you're not going to be perfect. There is not a single person you know, whether they are the fittest, fitspo, inspirational fitness person on Instagram that you follow, or whether they are your lazy uncle that's never done a single bit of exercise in his life and he wants to start looking to lose weight. That person, you, or the fittest, fit spo person there ever was, none of you have ever been perfect or um, completely um, stuck to a plan to 100% ever in their lives. So stop putting so much pressure on yourself that you are going to have to be perfect. Why are you going to be the one anomaly, anomaly, <laughs> anonymously? I hate that word, um, that's going to be you know the only person in human history to be different and that you're going to be the first person ever to be 100% perfect on your diet. You're not. So stop putting so much pressure on yourself and give yourself permission to be not so perfect. Now, obviously, there comes a caveat in that, and I sometimes see people use it as a scapegoat. And it's like, oh, Adam said consistency of perfection. So oh, I fell off the wagon again today. Three days later, nah, Adam said consistency of perfection. I fell off the wagon. Nah, I get back on track. No, that's not what I'm saying, that you still need to be trying to keep your promise to yourself, keep the commitment um, that you made, that you are going to start putting effort and be consistent with that effort uh, around the process of eating better food, moving more, getting better sleep, being consistent with your calorie intake and all those kind of things. You can't just throw that out the door and go, yeah. Two days, um, two days after I had a had a hiccup, oh, I'm having another hiccup. Ah, oh, so be it. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. But if you do have a slip up and you've been, you know, rock solid, you've been really consistent with how you've been going to it for the last couple of weeks up to it. You're human. Move on. Draw a line in the sand. It happened. Just get back on track tomorrow. This mentality that okay, I've slipped up once, therefore I just can't be. You know, what's the point of even going forward? I love the analogy that I've I've always heard. It's like walking outside. You see a flat tire on your car and you go, well, one's one tire's flat, might as well um, slash the rest of them and you get a knife out and you slash the rest of them and they're all flat. That makes zero sense. You've got one flat tire, cool. Fix the one flat tire and keep moving forward. You had a big hiccup last night, whether it was intentional or not, 
you had a hiccup, cool, fix it, move on. There's no point sitting there just getting all worked up about it and making it a big deal. It's happened, you can't do anything about it, but move on, get right back on track and get rid of this idea that you need to be perfect. If you get rid of this idea that this is a long-term game, that you're not in this just to get into your bikini for a holiday that's coming up in six weeks' time or your wedding's in a year's time, you want to be the perfect specimen as you're walking down that aisle or whatever it is. The moment you put a timeline around this, the moment you say there's an end date to this is the moment that you start setting yourself up for failure. Your timeline should be when are you going to take the last breath of your life? Now, the average life expectancy these days is in the 70s to 80s. So no matter what age you are, you've probably got many, 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 many years until you're probably going to take that last breath. And so stop putting such a very short window, even if it's a year. You know, I used to, as I said, I used to run an exosphysiology clinic and I would have brides coming to me saying, Adam, in a year's time, I'm looking to be in the best shape of my life to um, you know, go to my uh, go to my wedding and feel at my best. I'd say it's a year, like even a year, and most people are working in much shorter timelines. But even a year is a short time timeline when we look at the grand scale. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's say we get you to that perfect moment um, at your wedding. Then what? Do you just not do everything that you've been doing up until that point? No, you need to find a consistent way to keep going forwards, keep putting in that effort. And if something slips up, cool. You've got the rest of your life to work on your health, so don't stress about it. Just keep moving forward. And patience will come hand in hand with that. If you then realize that you know this is a lifelong game, wrap your head around that real early. If you're sitting there going, oh my God, I cannot believe I have to do this process for the next 40, 50, 60 years, then likely what you're doing is far too restrictive. Like I'm in a fat loss phase at the moment. I'm looking to lose myself four or five kilos. I'm basically doing exactly what I was doing. I haven't changed a single thing, but I've reduced a little bit of my um, food intake. So I haven't made this drastic um, change in my exercise routine or the foods I'm eating or how I'm going about the process. This is just exactly how I even flow in and out of being in maintenance, looking to put on a little bit of lean muscle mass or looking to lose a little bit of fat. I just change my calorie input by a little bit. But my daily exercise, how I sleep, how I go about the actual process doesn't change at all. And so if you're starting out and what you're doing looks radically different to what you were doing yesterday when you weren't on this process, then you need to look at something and change it because you're not going to sustain it. Now, if you're someone who's never exercised in your life, you've never paid attention to your food in your life, and this is all new to you, then start small. Yes, it's going to be all new to you, but start small. Maybe just look at adding more steps into your life. Never exercise in your life? Don't then go and do seven days a week of training and go you know, full extreme from one to the other. Just start walking a bit more. You know, look at your average steps. What are you doing? 2,000 steps a day? Cool, let's get your steps up. Let's worry about that. And then let's start looking at your food intake. Then let's start looking at adding in some you know, meaningful exercise. And then now this could be over the course of four, five, six, seven months. It doesn't have to be over the course of four or five days because I don't want to make those drastic changes. Because again, if you're impatient for the outcome, it's because you're likely doing something that feels like it's agitating your normal. So let's bring your normal up 
over time. And in time, working out four or five days a week, really dialing in on your food and being conscious of your food and getting good quality sleep, that will become your normal. But until it does, don't try and just jam it all in from there. Um, looking down the list, I guess the next big one is, I guess, sticking to the calories that you, um, I guess, pre- prescribed yourself. Now, I'll first say this, I've said it many times before, is that if you need help with um, you know, what amount of calories you should be um, sticking to, my show notes have my email, and I'm more than happy to work that out for you. I use the exact same method I do for when I'm doing my paying clients. I'm more than happy to do it all for free for you. So if you want to email me because you feel like, am I actually on the right calories for the goals I'm after? I'm more than happy to give you, um, a, you know, a calorie profile and a protein profile that will work specifically for you. And so flick me an email and say, hey, Adam, listen to your podcast. Um, you said that I could help help you out with your calories. Yep, no worries. Here's some questions that I need you to go through and then we'll work that out for you. So what I find more often than not is sticking to the calorie deficit is difficult for most people because they're in far too big of a deficit. Now, if you go to an app like MyFitnessPal or something along those kind of lines, and they normally ask you, where's your, what's your height, what's your age, what's your starting weight, what's your goal weight? And then the next kicker is always, what's your timeline? How much weight would you like to lose each week? And then the Dropbox comes down and it's like, I'd like to lose 100 grams a week. I'd like to lose half a kilo a week. I'd like to lose a kilo a week. I'd like to lose two kilos a week. Every single one of you, and I'm sure you can be nodding your head now when you drop down that drop box, you've gone, ha, I want the biggest one. I want to lose the two kilos a week. Whatever it might be, you go for that option that has the biggest weight loss per week. It's human nature. Of course, we want the biggest loss or the, you know, the biggest outcome, whatever it might be that we're actually doing. But when it comes to this, everyone ticks that biggest box. And so it's a massively um, restrictive set of numbers that then they have to give you because to try and achieve that kind of weight loss week after week after week, you have to be in a massive deficit. And so sticking to that deficit is near impossible. And so for me, I tend to put my clients in a deficit of 10 to 15%. Now, with exercise, um, and this is just going off topic a bit and why, and you'll understand why I'm saying this in a second, but I put it in about 10 to 15% deficit, meaning that even if you do zero exercise, and for most people, exercise makes up about five to maybe 10%, but very rarely. Let's go, it's about 5% of your daily energy requirements. A lot of people think exercise is a hell of a lot more than that. It's not. It fills such a small portion of your actual daily energy needs. And so, this idea that you're using exercise as a way to help your calorie deficit, stop it now. Exercise is there to help you move faster, be better cardiovascularly, be stronger, build lean muscle mass. All of these performance-enhancing uh, attributes is what you aim to do exercise for. Do not have the mentality that you're exercising for weight loss. Just get that out of your head straight away. So, by what I'm saying though, and why I kind of let out with that, is if you're in about a 10 to 15% deficit, that even if you don't exercise, you're still going to be in a deficit, just a smaller deficit. And so obviously I want people exercising and moving as much as they possibly can. But of course we can't exercise every single day. And so we're going to still see progress if you hit that number that I give to you. 
A lot of these um, calculators are putting people in 30, 40% type deficits, and it's just too difficult. It's miserable to be on those kind of deficits. And so a 10 to 15% deficit is a very mild deficit. And yes, as I spoke about in last week's podcast, you're still going to get hungry, but you're going to be far less hungry, far less often on a 10 to 15% deficit than you are going to be on a lot of these apps that give you huge deficits. And so if you're having trouble sticking to that calorie deficit, like out of the gates, of course, it's going to be challenging. There's always going to be times when um, it's challenging. But if out of the gates from day one, you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. I can't stick to this. Then you're probably in a deficit that's far too big. And so time to dial that back. And again, goes back to what I started saying. This is a lifelong journey. Don't try and race to some imaginary finish line six weeks from now, 10 weeks from now, a year from now. Take your time. You know, if you're someone who cannot even fathom losing the amount of weight that you want to lose, you know, you, you might be very, very um, morbidly obese. 200 kilos to lose, 100 kilos to lose, 50 kilos to lose. You know, these are big numbers that you're looking to lose. And like, I can't even, I can't even picture where the finish line is from here. Then make it a 10-year goal. You know, if you were to lose five kilos a year, 10 kilos a year. You know, 10 kilos a year is a substantial amount of weight to be losing. And if you did that year on year, four, five, six years from now, that's a huge amount of weight loss. Okay, and so go real small, be real consistent, be super patient with the process and just go with it and understand that this is a lifelong journey. It's not something you need to do in the next five to 10 weeks. Okay, now looking down the line, there's a lot of then one or two kind of response uh, answers. So what I've just spoken about there are kind of the big responses that I had. You know, I had multiple people saying, you know, issues with snacking, issues with um, controlling um, their, you know, they're sticking to their calorie deficit, consistency and patient. Another one is controlling, I guess, uh, sugar cravings and you know, really wanting all of those sweet foods. Again, and there's a couple of other ones uh, in here that were kind of very similar uh, to that. In that, and I guess it comes back to the snacking one as well is that far too many people will go into a fat loss phase and radically change the foods that they're eating. Like yesterday when they weren't on it, they're enjoying what I call foods for the soul a lot more than they probably should be, but enjoying those um, foods. Foods for the soul, ice cream, donuts, bread, you know, breads and pastries and all those kind of things that we love. No, they're not going to be the best fuel for our body, but not everything we put in our mouth has to be um, coming from the point of view that it has to be the best and uh, best nutrient dense type food for us. So there's foods for the body, which have those attributes, and food for the soul, the foods we just love. For me, donuts, custard, ice cream, those kinds of things that I just absolutely love. And so if your diet all of a sudden gets rid of all of those things the day that you start, then again, you're going to be in trouble. And the issue that most people have in when they're controlling, you know, trying to resist um, the urges for sweet foods, I'd say try and have some of those foods sporadically put throughout your week that then give you that little hit. You know, you're going to hear some people say, oh, no, you should have fruit because that's nice and sweet and it's a nice little sweet thing to get rid of that bullshit. I don't know anyone that's gone, mm, yeah, that, that strawberry really hit the spot. I don't feel like chocolate anymore. If I've got, a, I've got a want for some chocolate, I want chocolate. I don't want a strawberry. And so stop denying yourself these foods that you want and you've just got to become better at balancing them within your 
calorie deficit, balancing them within the food that you're having. No, you can't eat a block of chocolate uh, once a week or every night or whatever it might be, but can you have a few squares and make that work? Absolutely. And so find that balance. That balance is not going to be easy to find, but if you're craving sweet foods all the time, it's likely because you just got rid of all of them. And so try and work them into your diet. Um, looking down the line, um, someone did say in the um, one that sticking to the deficit but not seeing any results. Let me just kind of highlight that one um, from here. And then they put in brackets saying that they're blaming menopause. I've done an, uh, an episode on menopause, so you can go and find that one. Menopause, I'm sorry, ladies, it's not an excuse. If you say that you've been sticking to a deficit but not losing weight anymore, it's because you're not in a deficit. No matter how much you think you're in a deficit, you're just not. Because by definition, if you were in a deficit, you'd be losing weight. Now, can menopause affect the amount of calories that you require to be in a deficit? Absolutely it can. But that doesn't change the fact that you need to be in a deficit. And so you've got two, two, I give two responses to you there. One, as I said, you're not in a deficit. If you're not losing weight, you're not making progress over time, then you're just not in a deficit. And so get your head around that. But what do you do about it? Okay, well, you can either move a little bit more and so get that, you know, um, neat up, get those, uh, do more exercise, or you can reduce your calories a bit more. Or option three is what I, option three, which is what I would recommend, move just a little bit more and reduce your calories by a little bit more and do it from both ends. And so you're moving more, you're getting the benefits from more exercise, you're eating a little bit less, you'll see those calories come down. And overall, you should start seeing results from there. So uh, I hope that helps answer that one there. Um, people did also, there was a couple of responses in that you're always thinking about food. You know, it's, you know, what to eat, how to go about it. Oh my God, should I have that? Should I not have that? Oh, I'm heading, uh, heading out um, for friends. And that was another one. I'll talk about that in a bit more in kind of socializing. But, you know, it was always on your mind. Can I eat that? Should I have this? What about that? It's just food, 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 food. And it's it's horrible to always have that mindset. I 100% um, agree with you. The number one thing that I tell clients and I do for myself is plan, 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 plan. Plan ahead of time. Spend the time on a Sunday and plan out your meals for the rest of the week. Now you go, Jesus, that's a lot of work. It's not. Think about it. Go back to what I was talking about before with regards to the snacking. And I said, you've got a couple options. Either track everything or... Just have two meals a day, no snacking. Now, if you're doing two meals a day, all you have to do for the entire week is think of 14 different options. Now, I'm going to go even further on that is you probably don't because if you think about your lunches, you probably have the same lunch or you have either one or two different things at lunchtime. And so realistically, you've just got to come up with seven different dinners and think of one or two different lunches. So for me, at the moment, to keep it real simple, I either have a big bowl of like protein custard with some fruits in there, or I have a tuna salad wrap and a piece of fruit. They're my two options. I don't have to think about it. I either have that one or I have that one, and that's it. That's planned ahead of time. So I already know today, um, as I'm recording this, I've got a bowl of protein custard and then some fruit. Now, I bought some strawberries the other day, so I'm going to cut those strawberries up and I'm going to put that in there. I already know that um, coming into it. So I don't have to think about, oh, what am I going to do for lunch today? That it's just mind numbing that, and it's it does get um, hard when you're always, even if you're having the same thing, thinking about food, always having that on your mind. Again, though, plan ahead of time for dinner. What are you going to have for dinner? Have those seven dinners now. For some people, I'd say go even one step for, further and go real basic. 
every Monday you have X food. Every Tuesday, it's X food. Every Wednesday, it's X food. And do that for an entire month and then change the menu around the next month. Okay, so you're just cycling through. Every Monday might be steak and vegetables. Tuesday is a chicken stir fry. Wednesday is chicken parma with some chips. Thursday is burgers. Like just ding, 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 ding down the line. Pick the meals that you want. Track them. Put them into your um, My Fitness Pal app. Know how many calories it's going to be and make it all work obviously into there. And you only have to do it once a month. So you can go real easy on this and really kind of pan it out and... Your response might be, oh, Adam, that sounds so boring. Get over yourself. You've just asked me, how can I not be thinking about food? I've just given you an option here. You can't have it both ways. If you want to have a different meal every single day and be um, entertaining your mind and your taste buds by all these extravagant different foods every single day, then get used to the fact that you're going to be thinking about food all the time and it's going to get really tiresome and you're going to get really fatigued with having to make decisions all the time around based around your food. If you want to simplify this thing though, get boring and get repetitive. It's the quickest way to get rid of that fatigue of decision that you're going to be have around food. So again, you can play that however you like. Some people do it week on week on week on week on week and you can you talk to people and they say, "Yep, on you know Monday nights is our bolognese night and Tuesday nights is that like that was very common many many years ago and it's just it got you know really regimented but these days you see people on Instagram and having all these wonderful meals and you feel like you've got to have all these different wonderful meals I promise you they're not having all those wonderful meals every single night and making something different every single night speak to people ask your friends what do you have for dinner and I can guarantee you most of them are pretty similar to you there's a chicken stir fry or there's a you know chicken and vegetables there's steak and chips there's a some sort of pasta dish like we all have the same meals basically and we kind of rotate through them and so just get boring get repetitive and hopefully um, well, I know it will but if you can stick to it um, you won't think about food all the time because you're planning out you know what you're having and so you don't have to sit there and go mm, what am I doing today and think about food you just know what's coming up um the restrictions make you want more. That was another couple of responses I had. Go back to what I said with regards to the sugar cravings. If the restrictions or how you've designed your food plan and how you're going about it has you restricting everything that you love from life, of course you're going to want more of those things as soon as it's the pink elephant syndrome. If I sit there and go, don't think about a pink elephant, every one of you now listening has a picture of a pink elephant in your head because I've just told you you can't think about a pink elephant. So stop restricting yourself and you probably um, will find yourself not wanting those things because you've now included them in your life. Um, there was a couple of ones around body, body shape um, as well. Um, your restriction, uh, sorry, your frustrations were, you know, I can't get rid of my flabby belly or I want to tone up my arms. First, I'm going to say stop using toning, please. Tone is not a word. You want more defined arms. You want more athletic arms. You want more muscular arms. Whatever you want to use the term is, what I've just suggested, there are three options that you could go for. There's other ones that you could probably use, but toning is not one. It's not a word, so stop using it. I'm going to keep hammering that in until people stop saying toning because toning is not a word. What you mean by toning is you want less body fat around that uh, muscle. You maybe want a bit more muscle, but the combination of either getting rid of body fat or increasing muscle and getting rid of body fat just makes it more defined, more athletic, more muscular. Anyway, I've gone off topic. <laughs> a lot of people talking about, you know, I can't get rid of this flat belly, I want to shape my arms better, whatever it might be. 
you can't uh, spot reduce, you can't um, you know, target an area that you want to lose weight from. Your body shape and how it stores body fat, where that body fat goes to first and where that body comes off first and comes off last, you can go and blame your parents for. They're the ones that gave you your genetics. They're the one that says that you know body fat tends to store more around your legs or it stores more around your tummy or it stores more around your appendages, so your arms and your legs and thighs. Whatever it might be, that comes from your parents. You can't change that. However, being in a consistent calorie deficit, training, exercising, sleeping well, all the different things you hear me talk about all the time, they're the things that will start to change your body shape help you lose body fat, and over time, your entire body will lose fat and your entire body will become more defined, more muscular, or whatever your goals are around your training. And so if you have a flabby belly, you might just store fat more readily around that area and it just takes more time to come off from there. But I promise you, with time, with patience, with consistency to the process, that that area will reduce and you will find that you can shape your body in all aspects of your entire body. Um, Another one that's just glaring out at me that I have forgotten to say, and I did say I would come to it uh, earlier on before, is you love a social life. You want to go out with friends, you want to have drinks, you want to be able to have social gatherings, um, but it's those things that seem to be frustrating you because you you want to go on these, but then it hinders you making progress. And I'll first say that um, a little while back, I uh, did a podcast with my great friend, Sam Forger. Um, I was actually just on his new podcast. If you haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend checking out not only the episode we did, but the podcast we did. Um, but yeah, about a, about a year ago, we spoke about how to stay on track um, when going to social gatherings and things like that. So I'd, again, highly recommend go and follow that up. Um, find it in amongst my um, podcasts uh, because we had some great uh I guess, hints and tips and tricks that you could uh, use with that. But to summarize that podcast here for you is that first and foremost, you can't have your cake and eat it all and and eat it too. Is that the saying? Yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're in a fat loss phase and you're trying to make progress on your health and well-being, there might be some aspects of your life that you either have to reduce or remove from now. And there might be some certain friends that don't like that. If you're going to start trying to change yourself, you're going to have to make some changes in your life. And you might have some friends that are your socializing friends. They they might be the single friends that still go out on the weekends. You're the mother of two kids who wants to keep going out and enjoying that um, part of your life. But maybe that's a part of your life that either, as I said, I don't want to say get rid of your friends, but it might be a part of your life that you have to start spending less time with and find other areas that bring you Um, happiness, bring you joy. Because if you think that you're going to be able to continue doing the life that you currently are, but make changes with your body fat and move forward, I'm sorry to burst that bubble. It's just not going to happen. You have to make some changes. Now, again, you don't have to cut friends out of your life. You don't have to stop enjoying life, but you have to make some changes. And so the best way to kind of still include those things is make some rules for yourself. And we spoke about this in the podcast in that when you're going out to socialize, um, and it's a drinks night. Maybe it's a Friday night drinks with your with your girlfriends, or it's Friday night drinks with the uh, the office. And you normally go there and you have a few drinks and you eat some foods. Have some rules around that. Only one drink for the night. Only two drinks, whatever it might be. Or it's a couple of certain drinks. You know, normally you have 
Um, one that you know it might be a highly calorific drink, you know, a Long Island iced tea that's you know got lots of ingredients and lots of things in it that you know is very calorific. Maybe you look for a vodka soda and lime, you know, something that's going to be much less calories than what you normally go for. I wouldn't go down that route. I'd say just put a limit on your drinks. Say you're only going to have one drink tonight, or it's two drinks. And you're going, but Adam, like, I don't want to be a party pooper sitting in the corner only having one drink. I promise you that your friends are there to want to spend time with you. They're not there just to have a drink with you. They're, they're going to get their enjoyment out of the fact that they're spending time with you. It's not because you're drinking 10 drinks with them. And if they are, I'd look to try and maybe start finding some new friends because they're only friends with you because you're drinking with them. I don't think that's a good quality friendship to be having. And so be open and honest with them. Hey, guys. I'm really trying to change my life here. I'm really trying to get uh, healthy and me drinking every Friday nights with you you know, to excess is just not helping my journey here. It's not helping me reach my goals. So I'm st- I still want to come out with you, uh, with you on a Friday night, but I'm just going to have one drink tonight. Now, the response from all of your friends would be, that's amazing. I wish you luck. How can we support you on that? If they're pressuring you to do something else, that's showing their insecurities because you're showing up in them that they're not making changes, that's on them, not you. So you can either accept that or you can walk away. That's on you. That's not, I can't make that decision for you. But I'd highly recommend being open and honest with them and saying, hey, these are the changes I want to make. I still want to um, continue on and away we go from there. So you should absolutely still have a social life. You should still have those connections. You should still go out and enjoy those times, but have some rules around it that's going to allow you to stay the course keep working on the process and the commitments that you've made to make this change. And so you can still include those uh, social aspects uh, within your life. Um, another couple of ones, a couple of responses came out was, you know, cooking and calorie counting. Um, again, it goes back to um, uh, planning. So if you plan ahead of time, it makes it much, much easier to stick to it. And great apps like MyFitnessPal is they've got recipe creators in there in that you can say, look, if it's your you know, bolognese that you normally do, you only have to enter it once and create that recipe and then you never have to do it again because most of us are doing the same recipe and the same ingredients with the same amounts. And so next time you're coming around to doing that bolognese on a Monday night or whatever it might be that you use it, you just type in bolognese and it brings up that thing for you. So it can be a bit, bit I guess, pedantic and a bit time consuming in the beginning but once you get the meals in that you tend to have you're then fine for the rest of the time because you just have to enter the name of it and it brings it up again and so yes it takes some time in the beginning and i understand it can be annoying when you've got family um, that you're cooking for but there as i said the recipe creator app or the meal creator app uh, in apps like um, sorry function in apps like my fitness pal are great because it allows you to put in all the ingredients as a total and say how many servings are you going to have for that particular uh, meal? You can say, look, it's serving the five of us, the four of us, the three of us, however many are in the family. And then you just type in bolognese and you're having one serving and it'll work out the rest for you. It becomes really easy once that's all in. Um, Last one, um, I think I'm going to go over is the weekends. Weekends become difficult. Now, I only just spoke about this to the five in 10 group. The reason your weekends are so uh, difficult or that most people find weekends so difficult is because they're making their weeks far too restrictive. If you're getting really low on your calories during the week to say, you know, I'm going to stay really strong during the week and I'm not going to have any of my, I guess, in quote, naughty foods and I'm not going to, you know, not going to deviate at all. 
you're going to come to the weekend and it's going to be like this coiled up um, lacquer band or this coiled up tension that's just ready to pop. You come to the weekend, you give yourself even a little bit of room to move and you just go boing, 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 and you just unload. And I'm sure many of you are probably you know, nodding, saying, yeah, that sounds like me. Yep, I'm super strict on Monday to Friday, but come the weekend, I just unload and I can't seem to stop myself. Stop restricting yourself so much during the week and you'll find that you won't feel so deprived on the weekends that you feel like you need to make up for all that restriction uh, during the week. And so that's my number one, um, I guess, response when I see people saying, I find weekends so difficult. Stop making the weekdays so restrictive and you'll find that those weekends uh, are much easier. But most people will sit there and go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good during the week because of how I'm going about it. It's just that we tend to spend more time with the kids or I'm at home more and I don't have as much structure like I do when I'm going into work and I, I'm away from all of those temptations. Make the environment that you surround yourself in as conducive to being positive and promoting your success as you possibly can. If you're filling the cupboards with lots of snacks and um, cupboards and the fridges and things around you, if you're filling them with lots of snacks and different things like that that are your temptations, then of course it's going to be a difficult thing when you're all um, you know, around it uh, much more consistently on a weekend. Get rid of those snacks. You know, Make the environment as positive you can be. Or on the flip side, make better options an easier thing to do. So it might be instead of having the fruit and the... Um, the veggies and things stashed away in the back of the fridge, put some fruit in a fruit bowl and have it sitting on the kitchen table. Now, it might sound something so small and you go, oh, how's that going to um, have any effect? Getting rid of barriers to make that good, you know, that better choice. I shouldn't say good choice. It's a better choice than going to the cupboard and getting out, I don't know, a chocolate bar or something. The fact that it's sitting out there and it's visu- um, you know, visible and you can see it, you're much more likely then to reach for that apple or that banana that's sitting in the fruit bowl, then go to the cupboard and pick out the chocolate bar, the muesli bar, the snacks or whatever you're um, aiming for in there. And so again, either make your environment much more conducive to success by getting rid of those temptations or make the better option an easier option to attend to. So that's the flip um, to what I was saying on the weekends. And I said, to just to lead out on that one is stop being so restrictive during the week and it should make the weekends far easier, uh, easier as well. Um, I guess just the last one I'll talk about. Yeah, the last one I'm going to talk about today is uh, is something I guess I went over last week. Is that uh, people were feeling frustrated? They felt weaker in their training. They felt like their training was suffering because of what they were doing with regards to their their you know want to lose weight. And I spoke about this last week in my podcast. In that it's absolutely normal that as you go deeper and deeper into a calorie deficit, and what I mean by deeper is just longer, is in the weeks and months of being in a deficit, is that you are going to experience a a weakening in your body. It's just normal. It's natural and it's part of the process. So one, you have to get used to that fact. But second to that is that, again, most people feel that weakness earlier on because their deficit is far too big. If you're exercising and you want to get you know the most out of your exercise and recover really well, then you need to fuel yourself well. And if you're massively restricting your calories, then fueling yourself well and adequately and correctly is going to be a very difficult thing to do, near on impossible thing to do if you're massively restricting your calories. And so if you want to stay as strong as you can throughout a calorie deficit and an extended calorie deficit, then two things. 
really aim on making strength training your number one priority, putting a huge amount of effort into cardio-based training, like lots of running, on the bike, on the cross trainers, the treadmills, all different things like that. That's where you're going to really zap a lot of your energy and put yourself in a huge energy deficit. So really emphasize on staying as strong as you can by doing more strength training and really make sure you're hitting your calorie numbers day after day after day and don't have these hugely low days and make sure you're getting adequate protein. Protein is the building blocks um, of you know building lean muscle mass and keeping you strong. So if you're really training well inside the gym and you're getting you know good lifts in, you need to um, support that by making sure you've got adequate protein to help that recovery as well as adequate calories to help you know, fuel the whole process uh, moving forward. And you should find that there shouldn't be a massive drop-off on your strength um, over that. Now, I'm in a calorie deficit at the moment. I'm actually making progress moving forward. Now, that wouldn't happen forever. So I'm only going to be in a calorie deficit. I'm presuming this will probably take me close to 10 weeks to 12 weeks where I'm trying to get to. So it's, and it's only a relatively short amount of time to um, get to the goal line that I'm trying to achieve. So 12 weeks, I probably should keep um, seeing increases in my, um, my strength and my lifts over that time, but I probably will find that I start feeling like my recovery takes longer. So I should still start seeing strength gainers, but just the recovery from those will start taking longer as I get towards the end. But I should find that, and I have been so far, then in these first kind of two or three weeks and for the next probably three or four weeks, I'll probably find that my recovery doesn't suffer as long as I'm getting good sleep, as long as I'm hitting uh, my protein targets, and my calorie targets, then I should be fine. Uh, but as it goes on longer and longer, um, especially if you're going months and months into a calorie deficit, feeling weak in your training is just part of the process. And so if you can be completely honest with yourself and you've really nailed your calorie deficit and you're seeing great results and you've been in for you know three or four months, and you're on a really long-term um, kind of process with this, is that I might take a training break, uh, sorry, a, a calorie break uh, in there around the four-month period where maybe for two weeks, maybe three weeks, you just up your calories back up to a maintenance level. So you add that 10 to 15% back on top and you have a time where you're just mentally recharging, you're physically recharging, fueling your body well, fueling your mind well and getting that kind of break. And then you can go back into a calorie deficit from there. And sometimes that two to three week period of having a break can be all you need to feel fresh again, feel great again, both physically and mentally, to then push forward again for another couple of months from there. And so that's what I'd say there if you're in a calorie deficit for a very extended period of time rather than maybe just a 10 to 12 week period as I am, as I you know basically just fluctuate between kind of wanting to lose three to four kilos and then sitting in maintenance, gaining that back a little while and kind of able to do that. And that's how I live my life now. I don't need to lose huge amounts of weight. Now, guys, I really hope that has helped. Um, it's gone a lot longer than, um, I guess, podcasts have of late. Um, they've been much shorter and punchier. Uh, but there was just a huge response when I put out that questionnaire um, or question boxes to say on Instagram around, you know, what are the frustrations that you find around fat loss? There was just this massive response and a lot of people reaching out saying, Adam, yeah, I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z. Um, so I'm really hoping that this uh, podcast I've now recorded has not only highlighted that you're not alone with these frustrations, there's a lot of people that have these exact same frustrations that you have, but I hope then I've offered up a solution for you and given you some nuggets there today that will really help you move forward and actually move past these frustrations and actually make um, you know some meaningful progress towards the goals that you're after. And um, as always, guys, if it has been of value to you, it would mean the world to me if you could just click that five-star 
uh, button on iTunes and then leave a quick review to tell me that you love the episode and you love the podcast. Really helps me out and lets me know that you're enjoying the content I'm putting through. But I hope you're well. I hope you're all safe and healthy and uh, all that. And um, I guess I'll see you next week or I'll be talking to you next week on the podcast. Um, I love you all and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.